Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. We record this in the morning, not our favorite time, Wednesday, April the 21st. And uh, we're going to do some Oscar preview stuff. The Oscars are coming up on Sunday. Sue Kalinsky, how was your vacation? It was spectacular. Yeah? It was birthday weekend, first of all. Nice. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I made a mental note that you did not wish me a happy birthday. Um, I will make a <laughs> mental note and I will forget it by the time we get to next April. Not my specialty. Um, yeah, it was really great. We went to Palm Desert. and uh, That's where my at- mom and uh, not stepdad Leo live. Palm ah. Desert. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you text me to, you know, visit with them. Um, we, I, I actually would have um, tried to see them, but we weren't there for that long. We were there for three days and um, we saw some, you know, we had, we had made plans with other people for two of the days. So, um, but we went to this really cool place. I don't know if you know about it. Do you know mm-hmm. Pioneer Town? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, Not Stepdad Leo is a huge fan of Pioneer Town. Oh my God. I, I've cool? been there once before. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Describe um, it. Well, it's an old Western town that they used to shoot Westerns back yeah. in the day. So like Gene Autry that was like, you know, was there all the time. Stuff from your um, childhood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I look great though, don't I? You look fantastic. Uh, <laughs> um, so they have like this like little Western town. Yeah. And then off to the side, they have this restaurant called Pappy and Harriet's, but okay. it's also a music venue. Oh, wow. Really, really cool people. That's Tom and I went there years ago and saw this great local um, kind of like a country, California country band called Icy Hawks in L.A. They were unbelievable. So we saw them. But like Los Lobos is going to be there. I heard. I heard they've got really good acts there. Paul McCartney played there. I mean, it's and the food is great. And it's just it's just fun. You know, it's kind of funky and fun. And this was a camping trip, right? You had your uh, your Winnebago. We had our travel trailer. <laughs> um, I picture you like Albert Brooks and Lost in America. You and Tom <laughs> are like are like Albert Brooks and Julie Haggerty and protect the nest egg. It's a nest egg. Give yeah. the money back. It's the nice <laughs> casino. Such well, a we, we actually stayed in a in a cool place. Um, we stayed in a, well, they called it an RV resort. Oh, um, which was very cool because um, you know everything is golf in in Palm Springs and Palm Desert. So they had a three hole, um, a, a a par three hole. Oh, nice like yards from where our trailer just was just one hole. Well, yeah, they have one hole which they called the driving range. I thought they had like a regular driving range, and I get there and like that's the driving range. But you can chip and pitch, and then intermittently throughout the campground, they have. Um, um, putting greens mm-hmm. and little areas for you to chip and pitch. Oh, nice. So that was kind of cool. And, yeah, because uh, you yeah, already was, figured out golf. I mean, the last time well, I talked to you, you yeah. saw the question of golf and you found your swing and uh, you were operating at, at an unbelievably uh, high level. Is that still the case? No, because the next day I went out and played, and I played the worst golf I've played in years. So, so I should just keep it. my big fat mouth shut and not tell anybody that I figured it out. Because you know, you you never really figure right. it out. So aren't you going to ask? 
How was Mexico? Yes, thank you. It was, it is the most beautiful hotel I have ever stayed at. Now, I've had a chance to stay at some pretty cool hotels all over the, this is the most beautiful hotel I have ever stayed at. It's called Cala de Mar. It is in Ixtapa. And every room has a balcony um, with a private pool on it. And you you look over kind of this rocky surf. So you hear the waves all night long. It's, I mean, it is spectacular. Unbelievably affordable. Uh, the food was fantastic. Great seafood at this place. Um, and uh, no, no pura yesca, as we like to say. You no know what pura yesca is. What is that? I know I've no I know I've heard of it. What is it? Puriesca is uh, marijuana. Cannabis. Oh. Yeah, Puriesca. Uh because it's Mexico and last thing I want to do is end up in a Mexican prison. No. <laughs> you don't want to be in an American prison. I can so, imagine being in a Mexican one. So it was a lot of uh, tequila started at the top shelf and then worked my way down to the well uh, tequila, which I got to pretty quickly. Uh and uh, but I mean just absolutely beautiful place. I was blown away by this place. So I saw the infinity pool and I was wondering, was that the hotel where they shot where uh, when a man loves a woman? So funny you say that. I also thought the same thing. I don't know if it, that's the case, but it definitely does look like that. That's the Andy Garcia, Meg Ryan movie. Right. That's basically the vibe you get from it. I don't know if that's exactly where they shot it, but it definitely looks like it. Because I think that was I think that was um, Zihuantanejo, actually. Oh, well, yeah, where, that's where they shot right that. there with Extapa. They're, right. they're together. They're like sister cities or whatever. Uh, but I, I would strongly recommend, because a lot of people don't think of Ixtapa. They think of Acapulco and Baja uh, or uh, Cabo, Cabo. And they think of uh, Cancun. I would strongly recommend checking out Ixtapa. It is fantastic and unbelievably uh, affordable, which is great, which is great. Yeah, now, the private pool looked really cool. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, so uh, it's Oscar week. And Sue, so from the time I'm a little kid, I stay up and I watch the Oscars. Um, as a little kid, I stayed up till like one o'clock in the morning because it would happen on a Monday night. It would start at like nine o'clock and it would end, you know, uh, just before television went off for the night. Um, it was fantastic. And so now we get to do a little Oscar preview for 2021. And we are joined by two of the best, Joey Nolfi from Entertainment Weekly and Mako Enlovu, who is an entertainment reporter for Essence and People and BET and even Wendy Williams. Joey, Mako, thank you very much for doing this. Of course. Thank you thank for you having for us. So, Joey, let's, uh, let's start with a little bit of uh, background. You were with uh, EW, and you've been following this Oscar beat for a long time. Yes, I feel like I am dreaming about the Oscar race, even in my sleep, when it is not Oscar season. Um, it is just, it's in my DNA now. It's second nature. I've been covering the Oscar race for 15 years since I was a kid. So Since you were a kid. You're yes. still a kid. I, <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. I just turned 31, <laughs> but I feel like a kid still sometimes. Um, and uh, Mako, you uh, you follow the uh, the entertainment uh, beat, and uh, you've you've done it all over the place, right? I have, I have. And let me tell you what, the Oscars to me are my Super Bowl. Like, I don't care about anything else. This is a big deal to me. I love the glamour. I love the, the pomp and circumstance. I love everything about it. So I am beyond excited for Sunday. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to, I want to know, uh, in, in the years that you've been doing it, um, how's both of your records in, uh, in, in your <laughs> predictions? Yeah. Start with you, Joe, your record in uh, uh, predictions. 
<laughs> so I, I sometimes tend to, you know, go in with my heart a little bit more than my head sometimes, which that's the fun of predicting the Oscar race. I mean, you can sort of just let your affections for these people run wild and, 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 you know, that'll get you off course of, of what everybody else is doing. But I'm usually pretty good when it comes to best picture, best director and the acting categories where I fall off tends to be like the below the line categories. So like, you know, cinematography or editing and stuff like that. It, it, it's, I think my track record goes a little bit down, but um, yeah, the big six, I'm usually the big six, your, yes. your money. How about you, Mako? <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I kind of like, again, I'm just here for a good time. So I enjoy seeing the celebrities <laughs> dressed up. But this year, I feel a little bit more invested because of the people that are nominated. It feels like it's more reflective of like me and my friends. Uh, so I'm really much more excited for the Academy Awards this year. Nice. So what do you guys think? Joey, you first. What do you think of the idea of, of no host? Because we're once again, and COVID is weird and, you know, everything has changed. Uh, but But the Oscars make the decision to go host free again. What do you think of that decision? I mean, I'm excited about it. I think the show went really smoothly without a host because to me, it becomes about the collective. We're all there because we love cinema. We're celebrating, you know, multiple artists on Hollywood's biggest night. And the last thing I think we need to do is inflate the ego of an individual leading the charge. <laughs> um, so just purely in terms of, of functionality and smoothness of operations, it makes more sense, I think, to not have a host so that we don't have a four-hour show. I mean, things ran very smoothly last year. Everybody had equal time to shine. It was. I thought it was a really nice ceremony last year. Do you like the uh, no host, Mako? Well, Joey, wait, wait. You don't think we're going to have a four-hour show? Because I think the show is still going to run pretty long, even if we don't have a host. That's absolutely the top of Oscar's true. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I think we'll probably clock in somewhere around three, three fifteen, somewhere in that range. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe not four okay. hours, but yeah, a little bit closer <laughs> to three, which is good Close for me. You know, that's good. <laughs> same. I feel the exact same way as you, Joey. I'm excited that they don't have one person or a group of people, a duo that's going to be on stage. Yeah. And listen, they're promising us that we're going to see so many celebrities that it's going to be star studded that we actually may need sunglasses because of all the star bodies <laughs> that's going to be there. So I want to see Zendaya. I want to see Angela Bassett. I want to see Reese Witherspoon. Like that to me is more compelling than one person who may crack a joke that may be offensive mm -hmm. to somebody and maybe yeah. it's a little awkward and that little banter that nobody really laughs at. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited to see all of these celebrities. Well, do you remember that one year where they had um, all of the past nominee or, or iconic nominees from the past categories come out and mm -hmm. present? The award that totally was so great. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, was that was so great. great. I yeah, cried at that. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those things where everybody wants to make the show short, and it only happens once a year, and it really is a celebration of cinema, like you said. And I don't mind it being a little bit longer. Like if, if it goes a little bit long, that's okay with me because right. it only happens once a year. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, it's like when, when the Emmys this past year, you know, with um, Tina Fey. Um, and uh, Amy Poehler, you know, I thought that was really great because it was so funny and, you know, kind of like tricked your eye because the sets it, behind them mm -hmm. kind of looked like they were in the same room, although right. you knew that they weren't. And they, they actually had fun with it. So I think if they were able to have fun with it in that way with two people, you know, I, I would totally be for it. But I thought last year, I agree with you guys. I, last year, I thought it was, it was, it was seamless. And I yeah. thought it worked great without one. You know, it's a weird season, 
uh, Oscar season this year because a lot of people have not seen these movies. Um, I think the last time I checked, the of of the Best Picture nominees, the highest grossing one is uh, Promising Young Woman at about $8 million. So not a lot of people have seen it. What, what do you think that dynamic plays like, Mako? Well, I think it's tricky. I mean, COVID really threw a monkey wrench into this whole thing, right? Yeah. People weren't able to go out to the theaters as we're traditionally used to. But again, Steve, Sue, Joey, I'll be honest. I like being at home and being able to watch a lot of these <laughs> movies on my streaming services. Like, okay, it's great that I sometimes sneak in. I'm a little guilty of this. I sneak in my own snacks because it's so expensive to go to the movie theater. <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore. I can watch all of these movies at home and it, it really helps to bring some sense of normalcy the fact that these amazing performances get to be awarded and we get to shine a light on this wide breadth of incredible talent i think that's the bigger story here so if you really wanted to see the movie you could definitely see it on a streaming site but it's great to shine a light on these performances yeah, I, I actually, I don't know that it's, there's a way to gauge how many people are actually seeing these because like Mako is saying that the box office is just in such a weird state right now. It's not really accurate yeah. in terms of how many people are actually watching these things. And the streaming I, services aren't especially transparent about how many right. people have actually watched. Exactly. Right. And I think that there are actually more casual audiences, perhaps more than ever, are actually seeing these movies because they're so readily available on rental services and streaming services. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a strange year because not only did the rollout of movies change, but the campaign trail changed too. It's a really great equalizer and it totally changes the playing field when you don't have these in-person luncheons and screenings and parties where people can rub elbows and schmooze each other um, and put, you know, people just put the movies on and watch them themselves, which is why I think you saw a lot of buzzier movies with timely themes like Judas and the Black Messiah and Promising Young Woman sort of rise up through the conversation because they were presented to the Academy by social conversation and public affection, not necessarily the campaign machine that usually pushes them in front of people. It's, it's sort of a more organic feeling as to why these movies are rising through the ranks. Yeah, you said, I really like watching at home as well. Um, although sometimes it's annoying because my husband will sit in front of me and block the table. <laughs> <laughs> so that is well, really push him out of the way. So. Just throw <laughs> your snacks at him. It's like it's only us, you know, because a lot of times you go to the movies. Well, how does he sit in front of you? And you're no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Ball. But, you know, like a lot of times, you know, you go to the movies and there's five people in the theater and someone sits next to you. Yes. And it's like, seriously... Yeah. I, am I the, the only one oh that God. prefers? I mean, I just don't feel like it's the same at home as it is in the movie theater. In the movie theater, I'm sort of, I don't want in the, in the most positive sense, I'm, I'm trapped there, right? I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm locked in and I'm in a dark room and all that stuff. When they're streaming at home, I hit pause because I want to go to the kitchen and do something, or I, I watch part of it one time and then part of it another time. It's like it, it detracts from the actual experience, I think, of watching a movie in the traditional way. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for that, but I do like just the convenience of literally saying at 1 a.m. I can't sleep. Let me go on a streaming site and watch this particular movie. I can mm -hmm. watch it at any time. I don't have to schedule my life around going to the movie theater. And yeah, you can really enhance the movie theater experience by, you know, going to the ones that have like the larger chairs that give you the delicious popcorn and the wine. So yeah, it's fun. But to me, the convenience, especially in this year where I really don't want to be 
close to anybody that I don't right. know. Yeah. I want to be at home. So I, I don't know. That's how I feel. And, yeah. and we have to think of that, you know, these studios and, and campaign managers, they know that the Academy of Voters want to watch these movies at home. That's why even in regular years, they send out the screeners on DVD because they know that that's the way most of these people want to watch these movies. So it's the at-home experience is sort of essential to the people voting for the Academy Awards. And it has been for years. It's just now it's <laughs> it's falling on us to do that instead yeah, of the, yeah. the Academy voters. Yeah. Yeah. It seems now it's uh, the screening at home uh, and streaming shows at home films uh, helps certain movies. Like when I saw all the nominations for The Father, I thought, oh yeah, that's a movie that's not big. It's not great in scale. It's a very quiet, intimate thing. And maybe it even plays better at home. I think it, I, I think some movies, it actually helps. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Minari too is another one that yep. that plays mm-hmm. really well at home. Because um, that movie, I mean, it's it, it it's a very heavy emotional movie, and I you know sometimes you do need a second to sort of pause, collect yourself, and, and then jump back into it. So right, right. Yeah, and I think like a lot of blockbustery type of films, you know, like like legends movies and, and superhero movies, you want to see that on a big on a giant screen, right? But mm. the other types of movies, like you talked about, I don't really think it matters. Yeah. I enjoy it just as much at home. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's dive into some categories here. You ready? We are. I, I, right. I mean, yes, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> let's let's start out with best actress in a supporting role. The nominees: Maria Bakalova from Borat, subsequent movie film; Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy; Olivia Coleman from The Father; Amanda Seyfried from Mank; and Yu Jun Yoon. Uh, from uh, uh, Minari. Minari. And I think I'm saying that right, right? I, I, I Minari, looked it up beforehand. Yu Yun Jun. Yu Jung Yun, I think it's. Yu Jung Yun, yeah. Yu Jung Yun, me too. <laughs> from, uh, from Minari. So this category, I, I'll tell you right away, I, I love Glenn Close. Glenn Close is a great actress. I'm sorry she's been nominated so many times without winning. I, know. I, I don't think she should win for this. I thought Hillbilly Elegy was just, um, and I say this uh, from a place of love, Drek. I thought, it, <laughs> I thought that was just an awful, awful movie. And if Glenn Close wins, I think there should be some sort of investigation. What do you guys think? being appeal (laughs) i i don't think the movie is that bad i mean i think i think you know the politics behind of the people who inspired the story i think colored a lot of how people saw the film when i don't think necessarily the politics of those people were necessarily reflected in the film so judging the film purely by what was presented to us i don't think it's that bad you know those questionable politics aside um but I, yeah, I don't. Uh, Glenn is you can't beat Glenn in a, a kitten T-shirt and like that wig. I mean, in those glasses, it's just an iconic transformation. But she doesn't have a shot. I'm afraid she really doesn't. <laughs> no shot. No, no. shot. Mako, uh, who do you like in this category? I have to be honest. I can't figure this one out. This one is a tough nut to crack. I mean, you have Olivia Coleman, who we talked about earlier. Uh, oh wait, this is Best Supporting Actress. I'm sorry. Yeah, Best Supporting Actress. Oh, she's in. She's out. in it. She's in there. She's in there. She's in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Olivia Coleman to me delivered one of those like 
super emotional performances, right? We've seen her breath of work and we know she's been nominated and actually won in this category before, but the performance she gave, everybody can resonate with it. Who's had a parent who has an illness or just dealing with those really intimate family situations. So that to me was really, really touching. Although my girl, Yu Jung Yoon, I absolutely love her. She has been a favorite. And I just love the fact that she's like the first Korean actress to be nominated. She can make history as the first Korean actress to win this category. And as a person who's from Zimbabwe, I was born in Zimbabwe, raised in the United States. The idea of the American dream is so uh, universal to immigrants. We all understand that, whether we came in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. So a lot of the parallels that I saw in that story, even though she was playing a grandmother with the kids and the grandchild, Alan Kim, who was absolutely delightful. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of things that I picked up on that, that I'm just rooting for her. And I just love her story as an actress. The mm -hmm. fact that she moved back home and she picked up her career even after getting divorced. So I hope that she she takes this category. But then we got Maria from oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so I don't know, Joey. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm, I'm brooding. I'm, I don't know. I'm a little all over the place. I think one. Maria Bakalova is hilarious. I just watched She's that great. movie. All, uh, all this time later, Borat's subsequent movie film, I watched it on a plane yeah. this last week, and she is just ridiculously funny. Mm -hmm. Ridiculously yeah. funny. Uh, and I she's the I think she's the dark horse in the race. Like I I can imagine a scenario where she actually gets it. Mm. Yeah. I mean I don't I, I don't know. No, I am don't, I alone on that? Nobody's I think, come on. You're not Let's actually I think she Bakalova. might but also, listen, the headlines when that movie came out, that's all everyone would talk right. about. That scene with her and Rudy Giuliani, that was, to your point, Joey, about uh, movies that were really pushed by what we talked about on our social media. Mm -hmm. No one could stop talking about that. It was part of our political landscape. You know, it dominated the headlines. So she might, Steve, I think there's a small yeah. possibility. She, I mean, she is my, definitely my personal favorite performance of this group. I have been championing her this whole season. I think that she is brilliant. Um, I, I don't know that I would call her a dark horse because I do think she has statistics to back up a potential victory. Like she's not just coming out of nowhere. I mean, she really has uh, stayed the course of this whole season, but on paper, Yoo Jung Yoon, she is just surged so much recently she wanted the sags bafta she's just on a roll and the key thing here is too is she's giving really great acceptance speeches so she's making headlines for winning and also being a great personality and that is a winning combination of visibility which is very important in on top of giving a great performance in the oscar race at the top of oscar voting like when she gave that bafta speech and called everybody snobbish which she said was you know something that got lost in translation but still it hit with people and the right way and they're paying attention to her as a personality as a star which is very important going into oscar voting so i think that she has it yeah i totally agree with joey on that one because so much of, of her story of who she is and yeah. the idea that she would be the first korean actress to win something like this she deserves it you yeah, know this isn't really just because you know she she would be the first she earned this, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think she's going to win, too. Steven Yoon, obviously, it's his movie, but uh, Yoo Jung Yoon kind of steals the movie in certain ways. And I think this is the one category where, um, you know, how ev they like to distribute awards amongst, uh, you know, a bunch of films. This is probably the win for Minari. There may be a screenplay win, but this is probably the big win mm -hmm. for Minari. 
and how yeah. deserving at 73 i think it speaks again not just to the korean community but to anybody that you can win an academy award at at any age so which is a message that i think we all need right now mm-hmm. so we're all in agreement you jung yoon for uh, minari in this category i'd put money on That's that right one. unanimous yeah. unanimous <laughs> all right <laughs> so so best supporting actor looks like uh Daniel Kaluuya is going to be unbeatable, I think, for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I would stand up and say I really loved Paul Racy in Sound of Metal. That's my favorite, uh, most kind of understated, out-of-the-box performance of the year. Um, Is this all, uh, Joey, is this all Judas and the Black Messiah? Is this all Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah, I mean, he's won literally everything, um, and it's great to see a really lovely performance win, but this is probably the most boring of the races because it's all locked up, and those are the races that are never fun in award season. We we need the chaos of something like Best Actress, which we'll get to later, but I mean, I could talk about Daniel Kaluuya all day. I mean, he is just so good in this movie, um, so it's really, really, really great to see him uh, getting a lot of the credit that I think he's deserved throughout his career, but it's it's really great to see him getting it now what do you think Bako? joey i thought you were gonna say he's really good looking but yes you're right he is <laughs> he's also really good looking as my husband looks he gives me a side eye over there the truth is the truth um you're so right he has won the golden globes the critics choice the sag awards i mean it's not a surprise at all but what i think is interesting two things the way that he switches his accents from the american accent to the British accent and his parents have Ugandan roots. He even does that really well. I'm just really impressed with him. But also his uh, co-actor and co-star, Lakeith Stanfield, is also nominated in this category, which is really, really interesting that he's going sort of against his, his co-star in this. But yeah, I don't really think it's a question of who's going to win. I think Daniel has got this hands down. Well, that brought up a really interesting point with people, too, because, I mean, Lakeith, definitely nobody was predicting Lakeith to get a nomination. I mean, that's not a discredit to his performance. His performance is brilliant, but I don't think he was really necessarily in the conversation. But it's so weird to me that both of them are in this category because it's like there's no lead actor in the film then. Like, I mean, because right, they're right. both in supporting. So Did it's they like, position no- one of them for lead and one of them for supporting? I, I thought they positioned I, Lakeith for lead I and he wound up in yes. supporting. I, I think that that's what happened. Um, and I think this was just an example of an organic vote putting him in a, in a different category. Because uh, it's weird because I actually you know, when talking about actors, I actually think that Steven Yen belongs in this category. I don't think that that Mm. movie is Steven Yen's. I think it's Alan Kim's story. And I think watching Minari, I think it's very clear that Steven Yen is a supporting actor in that. And um, at EW, we were talking about it the whole season of, you know, uh, Steven actually getting into supporting actor, getting that organic vote, taking him out of where he was being campaigned into supporting. So it's interesting that Lakeith got there because that essentially means there's no lead of Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sue? Um, yeah, I think Daniel's going to gonna win and I think he should win. And, and you were talking about Paul Racy and we love Sound of Metal and love Paul Racy's story. You know, this, you know, in a, in a different, in a different year, maybe this would have that William Hickey who won Pritzi's honor type of story <laughs> for somebody who had been an actor for so long and then got his break so late in life and won yeah. and won the best supporting actor. Um, and I love Paul Racy and to me, he's the dark horse, but, but I think, um, 
McDaniel's going to win for sure. I love Leslie Odom Jr. I thought he was fantastic yeah. one night in Miami. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, it didn't dawn yeah. on me until he started singing at the end that, oh, man, that is, that is Leslie Odom Jr. I, I didn't even realize it as I was watching along that he was playing Sam Cooke. And his voice, particularly in that last number, uh, in the uh, in the movie is is spectacular. So I also mm-hmm. loved him, but I I think the uh, Daniel Kaluuya is uh, is pretty unbeatable in this yeah. in this category. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, so we are so far unanimous. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how long it lasts. <laughs> I think I Uh-oh. sense a shakeup coming. Yeah. Yes. All right. yeah. <laughs> Best actor in a leading role: Riz Ahmed for *Sound of Metal*, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's *Black Bottom*, Anthony Bo- Hopkins the father, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Stephen Yen Minari. Uh, this is this is a a category that I think. Chadwick Boseman should win and is going to win. I loved Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I and I think he was really the heart and soul of that movie. He's got that incredible scene at the uh, at the very end. I there's a there's a moment in that movie where and I don't remember if it's before or after he I mean spoiler alert after he stabs uh Toledo who is played by Glenn Turman, but he runs outside and he's stuck in this sort of four brick walls kind of he's like completely trapped kind of thing and i thought in that moment um you saw sort of the greatness of of chadwick boseman i th- i think this is his award without question mm. yeah um i think that it's it's statistically on paper it's locked up i mean he's won every single precursor there is um, from those with reach into the Academy, like SAG, and also those that don't, like the Golden Globes. But the interesting thing to note here is that Anthony Hopkins could be a late spoiler because he won over Chadwick at the BAFTAs. They were actually matched up at the BAFTAs, which shares a huge amount of crossover membership with the Academy. And that was right before Oscar voting. And that's exactly the kind of visibility and a victory that you need at the top of Oscar voting to overtake a front runner. If you're going to do it, that's how you have to do it. And Anthony definitely planted the seed. And I am actually seeing a lot more people starting to uh, get on the Anthony train and say that he could potentially do a spoiler like because a very similar thing happened with Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close and Glenn in Close, 2019 yeah. where Olivia came in at the last second took the BAFTA and then that carried that momentum to the Oscar so that could happen here um, I, I would not be surprised if that happens but my money is still on Chadwick yeah Anthony Hopkins would be the uh, spoiler in any other year I think Anthony Hopkins would probably win he is so yes. good in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the father McCoe what do you think you know, my heart is racing, my mind is spinning, just thinking about Chadwick Boseman. And I think the fact that he just passed away at such a young age, I think the Academy really realizes that this might be the last chance that they get. This is the last chance that yeah. they get to sort of honor him in this way. So this would be just a really beautiful end note to, you know, kind of send off his career and give him this ultimate award. And just the way that his wife, Simone uh, Ledwood Bozeman, has just been representing him at all these different places. She's done such an incredible job. And so I think definitely Chadwick is, is sort of the one to beat in this category. It makes sense to kind of honor, you know, the Black Panther in this way. So mm-hmm. we've talked to most of the cast uh, of this movie. We talked to Coleman Domingo. Uh, and we talked to Glenn Turman. And so, so we've really followed this movie closely. I, d- do you agree that Chadwick Boseman is going to win here? I, there's no way he's not winning. Yeah. <laughs> you I know? If, if, uh, if he, if he didn't pass away, I think it would be a toss up, but I think that, and, and, and it's not to take away anything from his performance, 
but there's no way in the world he's losing this. Yeah. And by the way, big shout out to Riz Ahmed, who I think was fantastic in Sound of Metal. Yes. I, I love that movie. Um, and uh, yeah, Darius Martyr, I thought, uh, who's been on the show, was fantastic, sort of describing uh, Riz Ahmed's process and what he went through and learning uh, sign language and learning so much for that uh, role, learning how to drum, all that stuff. Um, I think Riz Ahmed was fantastic. But yeah, I, I think this Chadwick Boseman's uh, category. Um, all right, so now the interesting category, and I, I think this one is <laughs> genuinely interesting. It's uh, Best Actress. Um, and the nominees are Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day, The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. Now, I'm going to throw out, because she seems to so not give a damn about winning this award, even though she is fantastic. I'm going to throw out Frances McDormand, who I don't think will win. Do you agree with that, by the way, Joey? I mean... I don't know what to agree with and what not to agree with in this race. I mean, this is really, this went from being, I, I think, a surefire win for Carrie Mulligan a yep. few weeks ago to just complete chaos. I mean, in theory, yes, it's wide open, but I have to stick with statistics, even in a year that defies statistics, because it makes me feel safe. Um, Viola Davis, I think, on paper the front runner only because she won at the screen actors guild against Francis and Carrie Yeah, at the BAFTAs where Francis won. She wasn't up against Viola or Carrie because they weren't nominated, not because BAFTA as a whole didn't like them, but because BAFTA only nominated with like five or six or seven people in a nominating committee this year. Mm. So that's, I mean, you, I, you can't look too much into the nominations of BAFTA, but you can look at the wins of BAFTA. Francis, yes, the whole, all of BAFTA voted for Francis to win, but they didn't have Carrie or Viola to choose from. Um, so I, I think just going based on the SAG awards where Viola was against those other two, she won there. SAG has a huge crossover membership with the Academy's largest branch, the actor's branch. That's where I have to go here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carrie won. I mean, the film has shown up at so many precursors and above the line categories. So the passion across the board is there. But Frances is also like the face of the probable best picture sure, winner. So sure. like she can get swept up in the search. I, I really don't know. I truly do not know. Um, Carrie Mulligan is interesting because she does. It, it is, you know, very much a story of this time. Um, it's very much a story of uh, relationships between men and women and the Me Too movement and, and all that stuff, which I think is which I think is interesting. And a couple of years or a couple of months ago, I, I agree. I would have thought Carrie Mulligan was the surefire winner. But now it is a toss up. Viola Davis. I loved Andre Day in People versus uh, United States versus Billie Holiday, McCall. I did too. And I was actually going to say the same thing about Andre Day is that she won that Golden Globe. We didn't think she was going to win it, right? But she did. And so her performance was absolutely incredible. This is her first time in acting, first time major role that she really made a huge impression, a huge splash. So she could possibly win. Although Viola Davis, Viola Davis could also win this one as well. And I think it would be a nice sort of um, kind of end note if 
Chadwick Boseman won for Best Actor mm -hmm. and Viola Davis won for Best Actress. That would really be a nice way to close out this chapter mm -hmm. once more. Yeah. But I think the fact that Viola Davis is also the most nominated Black woman and the fact that not enough Black woman hasn't won since Halle Berry. Mm -hmm. All of those things make sense. And again, it's not just about, you know, Oscar so white and getting Black people or brown people to win. But when their performance is worthy, when it really stands up to the other performances in that c category, you have to give praise where praise is due. Mm -hmm. So those two are my favorite. And then I have a slight, slight inkling for Carrie Mulligan because she was just sensational. She yeah. was really, really great. She was great. Sue, so those are my top three. Sue, where are you going there? Well, this is one of those categories where after I saw each performance, I thought they're going to win. You know, when I saw Viola <laughs> Davis, I said, there's no way in the world she's losing. And then I saw Andre Day. And then Vanessa Kirby. We haven't talked about her. Vanessa Kirby is oh my, my favorite God, How amazing yeah. was she in Brilliant. this? Yeah. Um, and I even I didn't even realize that it was her from The Crown because she looks so different. And then someone said, oh, yeah, from The Crown. I was like, oh, my God, that's right. She was Princess Margaret. I didn't even realize that. Um, I'm really rooting for Carrie Mulligan. Um, but I, I, I just can't imagine Viola Davis not winning this. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that she was just sensational. Well, I will be the lone voice uh, <laughs> saying I think it's going to be Carrie Mulligan. I think it's going to be Carrie Mulligan. I think it's a movie of its time. I thought she was fantastic in it. I think it's probably, would you say that's the most commercial of the movies that have uh, that, that we've talked about? A Promising uh, Young Woman seems to have a broader audience, I think, uh, than, than uh, every other movie we've talked about. I think that's... I would a, say so. Oh, go ahead, Miko. Yeah, no, I would say so. I mean, even if you just look at the trailer, they have like a little sample of Britney Spears is uh, toxic in that, yes. right? It's really enticing in that it, appe it appeals to a wide range of audience. The subject matter, that's a whole nother conversation. But the way that Carrie really plays that role in a very tricky conversation, a very tricky subject, she does a great job of really balancing the tone of the movie and like really playing it in a way that makes sense for the tone of the movie. So I think three of us are with Viola Davis and one with Carrie Mulligan. Is that, do we have that? Have we scored that correctly? Yeah, but there's a part uh, yes. of me that wants, kind of wants to change my order. By the way, that's, that's interesting because that would be. <laughs> I know I ordered. I know I ordered tuna fish, but now I think I may want to make a, 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 I want a tuna melt. <laughs> that would be the big four categories. The big four acting ca categories, all won by people of color. First time ever that 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 if that wow. happens, that would be yeah. The first if it time goes that history. way, that's yeah. that's the first time. Mm. Oh um, so I mean, how exciting is that, right? Because if you look at it, I think if I if I have this correctly. We have nine of the 20 acting nominees are people of color. Again, this is why, to me, this year is so particularly exciting is because you have this wide range of characters. It's not just one singular story. There are some commonalities between the story, but there's so many different stories to choose from. So I feel very enthusiastic about this. Well, I think that that also goes back to the point of, you know, how this season is sort of defying expectations in a lot of ways, because for so many years, people have been saying the movies at the Oscars should reflect what the world we live in actually looks like. And in this year where the sort of machine wasn't able to get as its claws as, as deep into the whole Oscar process, the movies that succeeded were the movies that people were watching and were responding to at home. And that's why we're seeing a more organic list of actors um, reflecting the world that we live in uh, yeah. nominated in these categories. So um, yeah, it's really great to see. I, I'm really excited. I, I, I hope that 
you know, we can see that happen. Yeah. On so, uh, so best director, uh, raise your hand. If you've seen another round directed by Thomas Vinterberg, I have not really, not, yeah. really saw it. I've not it's seen it. It's on Amazon. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I great. I haven't seen you. How, you know, I, sometimes uh, I'll sound dumb here. Sometimes I've got to be in a certain mood when I have to, when I have to read my movies. Oh I no. I have to be in a certain kind of mood to deal with subtitles. This movie will hit you in all kinds of ways. This is a, it's a great film. Uh, it's the director's branch has a long history of voting for just what they like and deviating from the norm and, you know, throwing in a, a crazy one-off nomination for a movie that nobody was predicting. And that this year it was that, but it's a really well-directed film and the reason why I think it's also succeeding with the Academy is because the story, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with what the story is, but it's essentially this group of older white male friends are grappling with the, the loss of their youth. And so they go on this like drinking binge to try to have more fun in their lives, I guess, because they're, you know, really sad about getting older. And if that is not a movie that plays to the older white male academy voting yeah, base like sure. i don't know what it is i mean uh, about a group of old white men lamenting the loss of their youth i mean so yeah. that speaks directly to a lot of the people that are in the academy so really looking at it looking at the math of it it's not surprising that so it, that it did end it? up getting there. i haven't seen it no yeah i should watch it's it it's supposed to be great it's i it's definitely going to win best foreign language film it seems like yes. um mm -hmm. it'll be a lock there but in the best director category thomas vinterberg is there i don't think he's going to win david fincher mank lee isaac chung minari uh chloe zhao uh nomadland and emerald fennel uh promising young woman i mean i think we're all going to agree i'm guessing we're all going to agree that it's chloe zhao um yep. because nomadland is just a singular vision of a part of society that none of us, re at least for me, none of us really knew was there. And she tells the story in such a beautiful way, in such an organic way, uh, with the actual nomads who are playing a role. I just think it's a, it's a beautiful film. And, uh, and she would be, I think, the first woman of color to win Best Director, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, where are you on that, uh, uh, Joey? I think it'll, yeah, I mean, I just looking at it, um, and not to discredit her work, but I mean, it will be significant to see the first woman of color, first Asian woman, and only the second woman overall to win in this category, which should be celebrated in itself, because despite what some fools might be saying, it's not, it's not a tokenized win either. I mean, mm -hmm. Chloe directed yeah. the best film of the year. It's my personal favorite film of the year. Um, it's, it's a visionary film and it's so beloved. And, um, yeah, I think that it's it's a very deserving win. Mako, what about you? It's so exciting. I just, Chloe, 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 okay? She deserves all of the praises. But if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that we have two women yep. that are nominated mm -hmm. in the Best Directing category, which to me is a long time coming. I'm like, Academy Awards, welcome to 2021, okay? So I'm very excited about these two women that are nominated for uh, Best Director, but Chloe totally uh, deserves. I mean, you look at her career tra trajectory, the fact that she has this amazing film. And like Steve, you said, it really shows a segment of society that I didn't even know about. But there are things that you understand and you realize about them and you walk away learning. And I think based if, if she wins, which I hope she wins, it makes so much sense for the time that we're in with all of this hate that's going up in the Asian community, you know, all of this violence that's coming in, it would be so great to see representation and to represent and to one for Asian people to see themselves in a different way, to see someone win best director, but for people to really see that there's so much more to the Asian experience in America. So her win would win 
means so many things mm-hmm. on so many different levels that I'm really, really excited. But of course, the Marvel uh, Eternals, I'm really excited to see oh, her do yes. her thing there. She's she's everything to me. I stand mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao. I yes. think she's incredible. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm very concerned, I think, though, because I think in terms of the significance beyond making history in the moment, I don't know yeah. if this will inspire longstanding change in the Academy because as much as they're trying to rapidly diversify their ranks, the Academy is like we were saying, still very old, white, and male. And they vote for yeah. what they vote for. They like what they like. It's rarely a groupthink decision of we're going to vote for this person to send a message. There are just too many voters to do that. So I think the it entirely depends on the types of movies that are released in the future, depending on if we see change or not, because this voting base... Yeah. They like what they like. And this year, they happen to like a movie directed by who will be a historic winner. I don't think they liked it because it was directed by somebody Correct. who will make history by winning. So I, I don't know if we're going to see the change like we need to see. I so- agree. I agree. I think the, 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 the significance for me is not necessarily the, um, the Academy Award awarding it, giving it to her. I think it's more for people of color seeing somebody in that light yeah. and how inspiring and aspirational that is. So that really is the significance, but you're so right. These are small little wins and there needs to be a fundamental shift and change into who is actually in that, uh, that voting category. Who are the decision makers? Who are the people that are able to vote and, and, and nominate people that yeah. overhaul is way, way overdue. Overdue for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that get overhauled? <laughs> You know, well, they just invite more people um, like yeah. they've been doing. I mean, they they right. They made, keep adding people of color yeah. to the academy, younger mm-hmm. people to the academy, Women, people from other countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, sl- it's slowly changing. The, yeah. mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, this year they have Jesse Collins, who I'm familiar with because he did the Grammys and he also has done a lot of BET specials. Plus, love is on the music. You know, I think it's not just changing in front of the screen, uh, front of the screens and having the nominees. It's way more important behind the scenes where the decisions are really made. Mm-hmm. Sue, where are you on Best Director? Are you with I'm, everybody uh, else? I'm all for Chloe. You know, I this is a world that is is kind of personal to me because my husband and I um, have a travel trailer, so we <laughs> go we go to a lot of these campgrounds. And but you also not, have a house, just to be clear. No, no, no. What I'm <laughs> saying is that I've come across a lot of people who do live in their trailers wow. that they are full timers. And although yeah. I do go to places that are um, <laughs> are actually more resorty, um, I've I've come across. I, I actually shot a, a, a documentary, a small documentary, many many years ago, where a group of women, um, they're fifty and over, and they meet up at different campgrounds and they they caravan. But these are women who are like in their seventies. Some of them were in their eighties whether they were widows or their husbands didn't share in their passion, they would just take off. And some of these women drove like giant buses and some of them were in small trailers, but it is a very, very um, special and, and unique way of life. And, um, and it was just captured so beautifully. And yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I, I think she's going to win for sure. Yeah, I think she's going to win. win. Uh, Best picture is a really interesting and diverse uh, group of films here. Um, the Father, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. The Academy is famous for splitting Best Picture and Best Director. They kind of like to spread the wealth around a little bit. Um, I I wonder if that's going to happen this year. If it happens, I think it might be 
with Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, but I suspect that Nomadland is also going to win Best Picture this year. Yes, what do you, I agree. What, what do you think, Joey? Yeah? Yes. I mean, definitely. I think that, again, I keep going back to the statistics and the math, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's next to unbeatable. Um, you know, it's because it's winning stuff across the board, not just with one specific group. It won the Golden Lion at Venice, the People's Choice Award at TIFF, which is voted on by the public. Um, and now all these industry precursors uh, from people who are actually also in the Academy. It's playing well across demographics and voting bases, and you can't really argue with that. But I do think in recent weeks, the trial of the Chicago 7 is coming in at a close second. It won SAG Ensemble, where Nomadland was not nominated, but it's still, I mean, that's significant. And also, it just won the Ace Eddie Award, and both mm. of those precursors have strong crossover into the Academy. It's a movie that, unlike Nomadland in a lot of ways, I think is really accessible and easier to watch for general audiences, and it's an acting showcase. And the yeah. actors are the biggest branch of the Academy, so their vote will weigh heavily here. And um, I think it's a serious threat to Nomadland. I'm not ready to switch over and predict it yet, but I think it's a very close second. Uh, Mako, where are you? I am for Clem. I have no idea where <laughs> I land. I don't know where I stand on this. So there's two that I'm absolutely loving. I think for me, I really love Minari. I think that could be also best picture. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love a nomad land, just like Sue was saying. It really is an interesting story. It's such an eye opener of a story on so many levels. And when you look at the way it was shot, the cinematography, like it was so beautiful. The way the landscape, the natural landscape and the juxtaposition of how these people kind of live in different places and the story behind it. I don't know. It really stayed on my mind for a really long time, maybe because it was just a completely new experience. And those two films to me, again, all about the American dream. So I really, really love those. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm landing. I'm somewhere stuck in between. You make two. a good case for Minari. I mean, it's a, it's an yeah. immigrant story at a time when immigration is a huge topic um, in the public discourse. Um, and it is, it's, it's very, very heartfelt. It's a sweet film. Um, it's a, yeah. ultimately um, it's just a beautiful acting showcase for, um, as we mentioned earlier, Yu Jung Yoon and for, uh, for Steven Yen. I, I, and, and with the rise of Asian hate, this might be a really interesting place for Minari to win Best Picture. I think context is important, and I think that might be part of the context, Sue. I think that's a really, really great point about Minari, because Minari is my second choice. It's, it's, um, I think No Man Land is going to win, but I, I, I think Minari should win, but I don't think it's going to. <laughs> it's got a shot. It's got an outside shot. I think you, if, you if, think, if, Joey? I think if it had more heat in terms of people voting for it, it would have won at SAG, um, mm. which it didn't mm. win the ensemble at SAG. So, uh, and the actors are the ones you usually have to look at because they are the biggest branch of the Academy. Their vote uh, weighs into things a lot more. So I think because they didn't vote for it and they voted for Trial of the Chicago 7 instead, um, I don't think Minari really has a shot at winning. I don't, unfortunately. So yeah. are we all expecting Nomadland for the most part here? Yeah. I think we are. And I and I know that there was a lot of controversy with, with people when you talk about actors voting, you know, voting for Best Picture because uh, there were a lot of people in the cast who were not actors. You know, so mm -hmm. that right. I don't I don't know if that goes against. Yeah, they vote for names. Yeah, yeah, they vote for names they know. And I mean, Trial of Chicago Seven has you know a, a just a long list of actors that people are really familiar with. So that definitely helped it. 
So those, I, it sounds like we've kind of resolved here um, the major awards. And since we're, we're in agreement with Joey, who says he always does well uh, with the top categories, <laughs> I, I feel like we're in very good shape. Uh, you winning. Yes, you now if I'm wrong. You judge for <laughs> Minari. Um, we're uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. I guess we split a little bit on uh, Best Actress. You guys are on Viola Davis. I'm on Carrie Mulligan. Uh, Best Actor, we're all on Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Best Director, we're all on Chloe Zhao. And I think we're all on Nomadland for uh, for Best Picture, which I, I think is a done deal. I don't think they're going to split this year. I think Nomadland has got that haunting story. Even the mention of Nomadland right now gives me those images in my head, those sort of long, windswept uh, you know, that lonely truck moving along or van moving along. It's like Nomadland evokes something in people uh, that I think uh, will carry it to uh, to the win here. All right. So here's a, here's an interesting question. So here we are. I mean, we all do this. We're all into this. We all love the Oscars. We'll watch every minute of it, uh, no matter if it goes three and a half hours or goes four and a half hours. But what about the general public? We've seen ratings for every single thing, especially award shows, go down. Are people, Mako, going to watch the Academy Awards this time around? The simple answer is no. And oh, I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, listen, the Grammys brought out the biggest stars. We had everybody. You know, we looked at what happened at the Golden Globes. The, the viewership is generally down. And to be honest, to give people a slap, we're living through a pandemic. We're stressed out. You know, like we don't want to sit through, generally speaking, and watch a four hour show. For us, industry insiders and people that are really into it, we're still going to watch it. Now, I think the producers are really going to pull out all the stops and really try to give us a dynamic, uh, fun, entertaining show. But I think the general viewership is going to be down because people just aren't there mentally. Our lives have just fundamentally changed. Yeah. I also think, Joey, that there's an element of, hey, we've all been in our pajamas for the last uh, year. Um, And the last thing I want to see is a bunch of rich and famous people dressed up in fancy clothes um, celebrating themselves. And I think that's another dynamic in why I think the ratings will be down for this year's show. I think that that's a good point. I, th- I do think that the ratings will be down because like you're saying, across the board, everything has been down. But I feel like the Oscars are more of a respected institution, even among the general public, than even something like the Grammys or the Emmys. They're consistently in a non-pandemic year, the highest rated that more people watch them than any of the other award shows um last year's ceremony i believe was down 20 percent from the 2019 ceremony but i believe 2019 was up from 2018 ceremony so it's it's hard to say i mean whereas these other award shows are on a downward trajectory the oscars is still going up and down um i think that we'll maybe see i I definitely don't think we're going to see a decline like we saw with the globes the globes dropped 65 percent from last year to this year i think maybe last year the oscars pulled in like 23 million i think maybe this year we'll see maybe 12 to 15 million i don't i don't think it'll be that that steep of a drop as the Globes, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's not going to be. Sue, as, will as people much. be watching? 
I don't think as much because I think a lot of people didn't see a lot of these movies. Yeah. You know, we had talked about a lot, a lot of people didn't even know that they could actually see them on television. So I think for that, there's going to be lack of interest. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I do a, a sports show for ESPN every day and I always, I'm always curious uh, to know who's watching what and what people think. And if I mention the names of these movies to the people I work with uh, on my show, the four, per, four person unit, they haven't seen any of them. They've not seen any of these movies. I mentioned these movies that are completely foreign to them. Like, what is yeah. a Minari? Uh, I hear oh. Nomadland. What is what is Nomadland about? You know, it's like there's a there's a huge element of that out there. The one movie, by the way, they may know is Trial of the Chicago 7, which was on Netflix and was on Netflix really early. And it's a great big cast with a bunch of stars. That's the one I think people, general people have seen. That might be yeah. why... It can pull off the upset. Well, that's, yes. I mean, people, I always look at, you know, when people are talking about the Academy, it's 10,000 people. And it's not just, the, what we see on the Oscars telecast is the top, you know, 10% of the Academy, the actors, the A-list actors, the A-list directors. Most right. of the people that are voting on these awards are, you know, the sound guys and the editors who are in the computer room the whole day. They're the people who are on set, you know, doing the the more laborious jobs. So it's like, they have a more general taste and their general taste goes toward what just because they're in the industry doesn't mean that their their taste is is necessarily any different or that they're looking for things in in other places that that other people aren't i mean they're just they're regular people doing their jobs voting for the movies that they know about and trial of the chicago 7 has a huge profile i i don't like that film i don't want it to get across that i like that movie <laughs> i do not i think it is so boring but um i mean yeah, it's it's the standard casual audience choice, I think. Yeah. Um, and can I just say, I hope that people tune in because, listen, it's been a rough, rough year. This show has been postponed so many times. I'm just so excited to see celebrities, even though right now I'm dressed in my PJs. I'm excited <laughs> to see people out of their PJs and not accepting their awards and their hoodies. No shade whatsoever. But I am I'm excited that they're trying to adhere to the COVID safety protocols and that they're really going to try and have the presenters there and their guests in person and all of these multiple streaming locations. That to me matters a lot. So I would just, please, I know that I said a lot of people weren't going to watch, but could you please watch? We yeah. need this. Yeah. I'm just tired. I am tired. Yeah. So, so <laughs> nobody's going to, nobody's going to wear the Jason Sudeikis ensemble to the Academy Awards. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, this is uh, this has been great. The Oscars are coming up on Sunday night and you have helped us uh, preview it in uh, in great form. Uh, Joey Nolfi uh, from uh, Entertainment Weekly and Maku and Lovu, uh, who is uh, you, you work for everybody. You're all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually guest hosted at People TV. Joey, I'm sure I'm seeing you in the hallway somewhere. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes, nice. we'll have to, when we go back to the office, we'll have to meet up for lunch or something. Well, please, listen, thank please. you guys. This has been great. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And I just want to say, if I do end up being wrong, my name is Mako. Blame it all on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe and it. I, and I just want to say, this is our first foursome. And I don't know, I can speak personally for me. It was great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Oh, it. <laughs> More foursomes in the future. Yeah, yes. Who can complain about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, this has been great. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Happy cool. Oscar Sunday. Yeah, yes, happy, happy Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> 
There you have it. They were great. The Academy Awards are Sunday. Sue, I love the Oscars. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. one of my favorite, uh, favorite nights. And we've got a chance. I mean, we've talked to so many people that are part of these films. I mean, Florian Zeller, if, if you have not heard our Florian Zeller uh, interview, he directed and wrote The Father. Um, and I just reposted that. You can get it uh, uh, on iTunes and on Spotify. We also have, by the way, really good stuff up there right now. Jay Leno's there. Uh, Frank Caliendo is there. Next week, Lorraine Newman, original cast member for Saturday Night Live. Malcolm Jamal Warner. We've got really, really good guests right now. So make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button, rate, and review. So, Sue, how will you watch the Oscars? Will you uh, cuddle up with Tom in bed? Will you be on the couch? Will, what, what does it look like when you watch the Academy Awards? Uh, on the couch, um, maybe pajamas. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe a beer or a glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe a little pot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, Juan and I will watch it at home in bed. We watch an awful lot of TV in bed. We will eat in bed. Wow. Uh, we have a tradition that uh, Juan makes one of my favorite dishes for the Academy Awards. It's called cas- cassoulet. Do you know what cassoulet is? It's kind of like a French stew. Oh, yeah. Cassoulet, sure. Cassoulet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have cassoulet. Uh, we watch the Oscars in bed. You're very fancy with the cassoulet. Yeah, I, it does sound when, when, out of character, become, doesn't how it? How did that become one of your favorite dishes? I have no idea. He makes cassoulet, and I love cassoulet. I mean, it really is. I should call it French stew because it does sound snooty to say cassoulet. What are you having for dinner? The cassoulet? Now, do you have like tux pajamas? No, no, we do not. We do not. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited for the show. And uh, hopefully now after listening to this, you've got a, uh, a great preview of exactly what to expect. And I, it sounds like with the exception of Viola Davis and Best Actress, that everything is kind of set in stone. It's no way to drive an audience. Here are the people that are going to win. Uh, but uh, but yeah, well, it was a good preview. So uh, listen, the show is brought to you by our friends at Jacob Romrani. If you or a loved one is injured in any kind of accident, my friend Jacob Romrani wants to explain why you should immediately see a doctor. By the way, if you're in Los Angeles, Jacob Romrani is your guy. If you're listening in Israel, where I saw we've We've got uh, at least 10 people who download the show regularly in Israel. Wow. So that's moved up. I think it was just a couple. Yeah, it was just a couple. No, we are picking up. Uh, Jacob knows you're busy, but if you're injured in a car or work-related accident, it's not like having a cold, calling the doctor a week later. How quickly you call the doctor after an accident is vital to your case. First of all, your own health. Important to see a doctor to get treatment and document your injury. But if you try to set up that doctor appointment yourself, could take a week or two. That's why you need an attorney like Jacob Imrani who can set up the doctor appointment for you, even a specialist, usually with tw- within 24 hours to make sure you are on the path to recovery and properly document and bolster your case against the insurance company. So if you or somebody you know has been injured in any kind of accident, call Jacob 24 hours a day, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Jacob. Call Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, wow. Pretty good. Oh my God, you are so good. hard to please. Pretty good. I think that was one That's of our they best say. ones. That's what they say. I'm too I'm very hard to please. <laughs> you got to talk to Juan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Sue, this is fun. Thank you very yep. much. 
And we will, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate that. And we will see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>